0: Welcome to the Sunday Morning Shakedown. Whether you're a longtime member of Logan's Sports Church or you're simply looking to go a little bit deeper into our Sunday morning message, the Sunday Morning Shakedown is here to enrich your faith journey. Join us every week. We dive a little deeper into the Sunday messages, providing you with the tools to apply this message to your everyday walk. Stay tuned. The journey begins now. Welcome to the Sunday Morning Shakedown. And here we are, brand new series, brand new week, brand new year, brand new year. (laughs) It's awesome. It's crazy. Crazy. Where the new year came upon us so fast. Where did 2023 go? (sighs) (laughs) You know, I read this article recently about how we perceive time the older we get Mm -hmm. and there's actual things you can do to combat that.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got to figure a way to slow it down because it right? was a fast year.
0: Because <laughs> <laughs> when you're a kid, everything takes forever. I mean, everything right. takes forever. And as an adult, you're like, it was a month. Ago. It was what? I know that was a good year. Moving into another good year and another yes. series. I'm looking yes.
1: forward to Kingdom Living. What this is going to do? I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm so we're, we're
0: it. jumping into the book of Matthew. Yes. And this past Sunday, you put on your professor hat. Yeah, I had to do that for a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> you were a uh, captain preacher for a while, or your captain teacher for a while, which, uh, which was kind of cool because we learned a lot, number one, about King Herod. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what a. Despicable person he was.
1: You know, I, I kind of I find it funny sometimes. We know things like he was a bad guy. Yeah. We don't know why he was a bad guy. We just right. know because somebody's told us some point in time he was a bad guy. But then we find out that you know he killed three of his sons Gosh. because they he didn't want his sons to ascend to the throne. That's just wow! What a dude that would kill his own boys to do that! And what then, kind of person does
0: that? I mean, seriously, what kind of person? King sacrifices their their own children, you know. Yeah, yeah. So it's it, that was
1: I mean that was an interesting part of the story, and then also thinking that when he's getting ready to die, that he invites all these wealthy, influential people to his house and has them all killed because he wants the town to mourn for his his passing. Sure. And he knows the town's going to party because he's been such a rotten dude. Right. I, it just um, it, yeah. I had a little bit of professor hat going on. I get that, but I thought it was inf- interesting information um about this evil king that was ruling Jerusalem, mm-hmm. but a new king was coming. Right. Right. So he was not Jewish. He's not Jewish. Not Jewish. He was appointed by Rome, appointed by Augustus okay. um, to be king. They needed somebody to kind of rule over the people. They did not have any self-rule any longer. If you go back to um, back to the Old Testament a little bit, you find out that they they, they, they went from kings when they went into Babylon, they right. switched to, to perfects at that point in time, uh, kind of rulers of the people. But then when they're overtaken by Rome, Rome sends somebody to okay. be in charge. Okay. That's how we end up with these people. Right on. And so...
0: Um, I, I, you, you told me that last week and my first thought was, you know, here he is ruling over all these people. He had to have this incredible case of imposter syndrome, right? (laughs) Like I have no business being here. I, I do not belong with these people, you know.
1: He, he don't think he really liked the Jewish people, but he liked being right. liked. Right. And so you know he rebuilds the temple for them. But then also at the same time, he's building amphitheaters. He's building other places of worship. He's trying to introduce paganism into the Jewish life. And that's kind of why he's hated so much mm. is all this paganism he's trying to bring into Israel. Um, And the people just never, they never take on him because they're looking for a different king. That's part of the, right. they're looking for a king in the line of David. Yes. And he didn't fit that. Right, he wasn't in that lineage. Gosh. So yeah,
0: yeah. And then he, you know, and then we we all know the story of him, you know that that he decrees that every child under two be killed, and you know we, we know that part. of yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. What a sad, what a sad,
1: a sad state to say. I want what I want wow. so bad that I'm willing to have other people killed, right, for the process. You know, and and okay, I, I, I'm, I'm gonna jump off on a little bandwagon, I guess. But okay. do we do we still do that in some ways today? We so want our way. We so want what we want that we're really willing to sacrifice somebody else in the process. Mm-hmm. And I, I keep thinking today about the, you know, the church in twenty twenty four. And I ask ourselves, have we, have we really decided to sacrifice off generations because we're not willing to make compromises and changes? Oh wow! Not yeah. in the Word of God. Yeah, but. Yeah. Um, compromises and changes in what we like, what we want. Um, do we, do we really in some ways kill people off um, or say that they're not worthy or they shouldn't, they shouldn't get their, what they want. And I, I think sometimes we, there's a little more killing
0: of our children and grandchildren than what we really you know, want to, that's really, really go I with. just today read an article that millennial. The oldest millennials are now 43 years mm. old. Mm-hmm. Okay. The oldest Gen Z is 27. Okay right yeah that that's, yeah. that that to me shifts everything i remember when they were babies right I, yeah <laughs> exactly and I, you know i'm a gen xer so i'm right in the middle of that that generation but yeah. but it's like wow they are and and, and the whole article was that um, millennials are going to church like unlike any other demographic really yeah something is changing something yeah especially non white millennials but millennials mm-hmm. in in general are Post COVID, returning to church faster than any dem-
1: demographic. Well, you know, maybe they see a need. Maybe they're understanding something that's been missing for so long. Yeah, and hopefully that'll continue. That's a that would be a great thing to continue. Yes, um, in our country. So mm. you, you know, and our, our parents mm. parents that are drug addicts. Um, sacrificing their children, you know, parents yep. that, uh, you know, too busy with work. We, we don't, we don't, we don't tend, we don't, we think about killing. Okay, killing yeah. is a big thing. I, right. I'm not saying we're killing, but maybe there's a different way that we're doing some of what King Herod was doing. Um, and just gotta ask ourselves, how well are we taking care of our children and grandchildren? Mm. Mm. Mm.
0: You know, and it, it's, it's, it kind of goes in line with one of my favorite definitions of sin is that, you know, the wages of sin is death. Mm-hmm. And we think of that as death to ourselves. But mm-hmm. it's, I mean, to me, it's like sin will kill your self-worth and and your relationships and it'll kill your family and everything around you, you know, it's more than just that self death, you know, that we die someday. It's more, yeah. What else does it kill around us? Yeah. Yeah, totally. So the three magi Mm. show up three, three, is there three? I don't know. Is there? No, well, you know, it's kind of
1: funny. We three kings of Orient are. Yeah, they had to put a number in there, but the Bible doesn't actually give us a number. Right. You know, it's, I was right. going to laugh about that. And, and we, kings, you know, we three kings of Orient are. Mm. We yes. do know that from the Orient. We got that much right
0: <laughs> in the song, right. <laughs>
1: But yeah, these, but see, I these guess men show with,
0: up. With the three gifts they give, we just associate with the We three, do. Right?
1: You know, yeah. there's one carrying each one of them. Okay. Right. okay. I, I get that. I just thought it was kind of fun because that's one of the things, how, how much of the story do we really know and how much of the story have we, you know, made because we heard a song that's yeah. been sung. And yeah. I, I think, I think even the idea that the Magi weren't Jewish, <laughs> that, that, do we even really know that? You know, right. kind of thing. So, right. yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. But no, no, yeah, I just wanted to
0: t- explain. I guess what a, what a magi is. Who so, these
1: people are. Yeah, the word magi is a really it's a really cool word um, in Greek. Um, it has a couple of different meanings. If you're in Babylon, um, the word magi really is kind of like astrologers, um, people that were looking into the stars, kind of things. Um, but we also have um, other other definitions of this idea of magi. They are also people that would set in the presence of kings. They were like the wise men. of of the day that they would look into the past, see how the world was, they would look at the present, see what's going on today, then they could predict things that were going to happen into the future. So they get they get the feel sometimes like you know looking into a magic ball. That's really not what what I would define these men as. Right. I would see them more as they're smart enough to look so an instance. They would look they would look at a war that took place 10 years ago.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: We had 100,000 men. Today, we've got 80,000 men. The king wants to go to war again. We lost with 100,000. Can we do this with 80,000? King, we would suggest that you not go to war. It it sounds kind of simple. But when a king wants what a king wants, they need to have somebody with some past insight, some present insight to give future declarations. Magi were those people. So think about them as some of the smartest people of today that are trying to guide and direct a nation, a country, a group of people, uh, uh, maybe around a president, maybe around a king in England. But they're the people that would give direction and guidance. That's who these magi are. That's the kind of people they are. They're guiding because of what they've read, what they've heard, what's going on in the present
0: to what needs to happen in the future. It seems like in this day and age when there was such a, a... Flippant disregard for human life—that'd mm-hmm. be a dangerous job to have. Yeah, probably so. <laughs> I, might, I imagine if you magic got killed over the years,
1: because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, you, you mean that—that's a position you're in.
0: I mean, just that—if you say the wrong thing or, or direct the wrong thing, then
1: yeah, yeah. And and we have people like that in America. You know, we really think that if you kind of think about the maybe the people that are in charge of our military, we have, they've looked to the past, looked to the present, trying to pick to the future. There, are people that—that's their jobs. Right. Um, I just don't want people to think that the wise men were kings. That's the sure. the wrong sure. impression of the word. They, sure. It wasn't like kings came to see the king. It was the wise men, the magi, the the people that worked with the kings that's coming. Why would they come? Maybe they want to be servants of the new king. Maybe they want to give the new king their wisdom and their guidance. Maybe they want to help the new king out. That's a little different picture than sometimes we get from the old Christmas songs.
0: So they're, they're not Jewish.
1: No, not Jewish. They're not um, Jewish. Orient... From Middle East um, Gentiles, 100% of the way. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about Jewish Jewish people here,
0: but they know Jewish history and the Jewish way of life, obviously.
1: Well, the Jewish people were pretty pretty influential in those days. Right. You know, I mean, learning, education, a lot of that stuff was a part of Judaism, was very strong. Um, and also, if you're a wise man, you're looking outside of your own country. Um, you're looking around the world. You're seeing what's going on around the world. They just were very, very well-read, very well-understanding, and they knew something about the history of Judaism. Um my guess is when they had this this inkling of what was going on in Israel, maybe they did a little bit of research. You know, they Googled it. <laughs> maybe they did. <laughs> they, they found out, you know, Bible <laughs> Gateway. Maybe it was, it was around back then. I'm not sure. But um, uh, but they, they understood the situation right. that was going on around them. Um, if they were from Babylon, which would be interesting, which they possibly could have been, then the Jews spent 70 years with them. So they would yeah. have been taught in these things. That was just 400 years earlier. So there's, there's a good possibility something was going on with connections. It's
0: an interesting... Yeah, you're right, isn't it? An interesting connection that they have to the area and why mm-hmm. they were there and where they were, were led to go. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing that, that I thought was, was interesting is when you kind of wound up with this point and I may be jumping ahead here, but that the Magi paint for us what it looks like to, to live in the kingdom. Right. Right. Yeah. Um,
1: I kind of boiled down the story of the Magi coming in. We've got King Herod who's like anti-Jesus, but we've got these, these Magi that are coming in that are pro-Jesus. And we've got this king who's anti-kingdom, and we've got these Magi that come in, they're pro-kingdom. They, they really want to create that kingdom. And so the, the Magi, they, they come and they bring gifts to the king. First of all, they, they actually come to where Jesus is at and not expecting Jesus to meet them. Um, you know, Herod would have been like, well, bring Jesus to my palace so I can right. meet Jesus. Right. The Magi are like, where do we need to go to be with him? Mm-hmm. I think it's one of the struggles we find today is we want Jesus to meet us where we're at. Mm-hmm. Do we always want to go where Jesus wants to go mm-hmm. at. You know, the second thing that I kind of saw in the story that I thought was interesting is that they brought gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And... Um, church history has a little different little different idea than a couple of small boxes. Um, church history gives us the idea that this was what was going to provide for that family. Right. If you remember, they're going to spend some time in Egypt. They're going to have to leave. They're going to have to go to Egypt. They're going to spend a couple of years there. they got to wait till Herod dies. He's a contractor. Now, I was a contractor for a lot of years. We didn't have enough money in our savings account <laughs> to last for a couple of years. Yeah. And so in some ways, we see God's provision that's coming into Mm. this house. They're taking care of them during these years that he's going to be away from his job, taking care of the Messiah. So they bring gold, they bring frankincense, they bring myrrh. They don't come to Jesus and say, Hey Jesus, what do you got for me? (laughs) What are you going to give me? We came to see you. Now give me something. Yeah. And it tends to be kind of an American culture way of thinking. You know, I come to church, I give something to the Lord. What am I going to get in return? What's in it for me? Um, Herod, what's in it for me? Kind of guy. The Magi, kind of the opposite of that. And I just see this stark difference right. between the way these these um, Gentile believers yeah. yeah come into the presence of Christ or yeah. what these Jewish believers um, would do with Jesus the, the the world is startled there's a newborn king the Bible says they were startled like King Herod was startled the Jewish people were startled mm-hmm. by this the Magi were excited by this what a difference
0: what a difference in attitude I think it's I think it's it, the, when you when you had this during your message the thing that I thought was it's it's crazy to me and you know God does this time and time again but he used Non Jewish Gentile group of people to show us what it looks like to, is to be a kingdom <laughs> person. Yeah, you know, which is which is crazy when you think about it.
1: And why why does he do that? Is it, is it because we get it wrong so much of the time? You know, I I don't know. I don't know if that's what it is. I don't know if it, if it's to help us have some humility. Um, yeah. there's a lot of pride. There's a lot of pride, and maybe we're humbled when we see God use somebody that like somebody like that. Yeah. (laughs) You know, almost can see King here. Why would you use them? Why not me? You know, kind of thing that, that that pride that comes in in ourselves and to, to remain humble, to say, you know, God, God can use anyone. God can use everyone. I have told you the story before it was Sunday morning and I had prepared this great, I thought this great (laughs) message on salvation. I was so excited. I I was going (laughs) to preach. I was going to preach Jesus this Sunday morning and people were going to get saved. And I was so excited about it. And I'm sitting up in the front row and this time we passed offering plates, they're passing the offering plates around. And this girl comes up to me, taps me on the shoulder and says, pass, and I'm going to give my life to Jesus, and I'm like, we're taking up the offering. Yeah, but you can't. It's, this isn't the right time, you know. And and in my spirit, in my spirit, I'm like, you know, you need to lead this lady to the Lord. You need to pray with her right now. Right. And my head's saying, tell her to come back after the message, you know. And uh, and so I I did the right thing. I prayed with her, led her to the Lord, shared with the congregation. Everybody's clapping for her. it was a beautiful thing. Then right. I preached the salvation message, and not one person comes forward. Yes. Not one person. Yeah. And God smacked me in the back of the head. And he goes, You know, Aaron, I don't need you. Yes. I just give you the privilege of being used. Yes. And that was such a beautiful learning moment for me. And I kind of think that with this story, you know, it's, it, what a blessing it was to be a Magi. Well, no doubt. You know, to be no that doubt. be that person. Um, and yet the Jewish people were like, oh, why not us?
0: Why didn't God use us in that moment? We need to learn a little bit of that humility. It's it's one of my favorite, and it always reminds me of one of my favorite lines in the Bible where, where God is like, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Job, I love that in Job. Let me talk to you a minute, Job. All right, put on your big boy pants <laughs> yeah. because we need to have a chat. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but so. I mean, you know, there there is a there is a danger in God in Christian culture that that can be very detrimental to the church. Mm -hmm. And that's, that that's kind of a, a sad point where we're at. And that's the, the, and I guess there's a lot of different definitions of what a Christian culture is, but, Mm -hmm. but for lack of a better word, it's surface level Christianity. I I go to church, I wear a shirt, look, I'm wearing a cross, you know, Mm -hmm. therefore Mm -hmm. I am, you know, and it's, it's, it's not, it's how you live your life. And, and how you, you treat and love on others.
1: Well, I'm part of the reason this series is getting preached here. Um, is, is we look at the book of Matthew, you know, we, I said, said Sunday, 20% of Matthew revolves around the idea of kingdom. Yes. But if we don't know what Matthew says about being in the kingdom, we're going to make assumptions about what it means to be in the kingdom. Right. And we could be living in a day and age, Matt, where where it's kind of like, well, you know, it's Christian to have a Christian shirt on, and so I'm going to wear a Christian shirt because mm-hmm. why? Because we have them. You know, that's that shows that I'm a Christian kind of thing. Yeah. And it's not wrong to wear a Christian shirt. It's not wrong to wear a cross. Um, you right. know, it, and yet those aren't the those aren't the gold standards. Yeah. Um, yeah so we've, we've, we've just spent enough years progressing culturally, progressing as a church that at some moment in time don't you have to kind of back up and go, okay, so what, what does it really mean to be a part of a kingdom? Yeah. And I, I don't you know I don't know maybe when when America decided we didn't want to be a part of England any longer and we didn't like the king and we decided we were having presidencies instead of instead of kingships, um, maybe we lost a little bit about what it even is like to live in a kingdom. Mm. We, you know, we don't know. <laughs> when Peggy and I were in England a couple of years ago, right before the pandemic, we were there, and it was it was crazy to see how they were making over the Queen. The Queen was going to be driving through town. Oh yeah, um, when we were there, and people were lined up on the streets. I think she was going to a doctor's appointment. Are you serious? I mean, it was like, I mean yeah. And we had <laughs> they had like the motorcade. Here's the direction, and people all day long. Are, they got these signs. They got flowers. They're throwing them in front of the motorcade when she's she's coming by. She's waving at people. She was an
0: octogenarian. That had to be it, all the time.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, and, and this is like 20 year olds that are out there throwing roses right. at a 90 year old lady. Right. Um, the thing that just kind of caught me off guard, though, was that, that they, they were so it meant so much to them. And here I was in America and I'm kind of like, you know, what? how can we avoid the parade route? Mm. That that was my thought. That was I, I didn't want to be in the middle of all of that. I right. Didn't understand. And I'm not sure we really understand what it means to be kingdom people because we don't live in kingdoms. Yeah the United States is not considered a kingdom. Right. Um, you know, we are a nation of states. Um, it's, it's just crazy. I mean, you're not right. Think. Cause
0: I mean, if you think back, we're, we're founded on the idea of like, you're not going to tell us what to do. Mm-hmm. We're going to do our own thing. Mm-hmm, yeah, we it's, don't need you to rule over us. So the Jewish people
1: understood kingdom because yes. they were in a kingdom and they actually missed it when the kingdom was dismissed. Yeah. When, they, when they were ran into Babylon, they hated yeah. the idea, we're not a kingdom any longer. We want right. our kingdom back. Right. Um, they're looking for another king. That That's so different than we were like, we don't want a kingdom. <laughs> we don't want a king. We don't want a monarchy. Mm-hmm. We want to be our own king. We want to be our own king. And so do we really know what it's like to be in a kingdom? And so... For many Christians today, being in a kingdom means I wear a Christian cross, I wear a Christian shirt, I go to a Christian concert once in a while, drop a few bucks in the offering plate on Sunday mornings. And yes, I'm a part of the kingdom of God, but we've never read the book of Matthew that's all about what it means to be in the kingdom of God. Mm. So getting back to where we started, you know, getting back to the roots of things. Yeah. um, You know, maybe we're we're playing a little bit of basketball here. This is a basketball, (laughs) and we're getting to the heart (laughs) of how we play this game.
0: Which also goes back to the question we ask, you know. At the beginning of this, uh, what are we willing to sacrifice to keep ourselves king? Mm, yeah, you know. I mean, yeah.
1: I, I, it, it saddens me that that I so badly want to be king of my own life um, that I will I will hurt other people in the process. Um, it's it's just a part of who we are. It's part of our human nature um, to want to put ourselves as king, and it, it's a difficult thing to get off of our own thrones. You know. Y-
0: you had a quote. And I love this. Uh, many people are trying to dethrone Jesus and you're not worried about those people.
1: I'm not worried about, I, you know, I'm not worried about the governments today that want to dethrone Jesus. I'm not worried about today the, the people that want to, you know, try to take the Ten Commandments out of the courthouse squares. I'm not worried about those people. They're going to die. Yeah. I mean, that's just the reality, but there's gonna be another one that's yeah. gonna raise up. It's kind of funny, we've got, a, we've, got a, we've got a faith that has lasted 2,000 years, that's stronger than it's ever been, and how many people have tried to stop Christianity? You can't stop the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Right. So I'm not worried about these people that wanna to try to stop them. That's not my great concern. My great concern is people that have confessed Jesus as their Lord and Savior, but then they don't live like they're in a kingdom. Um, that's, that's the bigger concern for me. I mean, seeing Christians live as kingdom people, seeing Christians work together as kingdom people, seeing Christians live out the teachings of Jesus, that's that's the more, that's the more difficult thing for me right now, is to say, how do we, how do we make that reality? Because um, just maybe that'll bring more people into the kingdom. Mm. If people in the kingdom start acting like they want to be in the kingdom and living like kingdom people, what other people would say, man, I
0: want to be a part of your kingdom. I like what's going on in that kingdom. So is it is it less about knowing and more about acting more about action so it, or is it a balance of the two
1: Well I kind of wonder if part of we just don't know you know if we don't know what it's like to be a part of a kingdom yeah if, if our if our life has taught us that you're the king, you know, have it your way, sit on your throne, you know. You can get your quarter pounder with cheese or without. That's on your choice. We've lived under that so long that we, do we know what it's like to be kingdom people? Do we know what it's like to be working together as a kingdom people? Um, do we understand what our place is in the kingdom? Everybody in the kingdom had a place. And if one person in the kingdom wasn't doing what they were supposed to be doing, then other things were falling, failing because of it. Um, so I think for some of us, it's going to be beginning to learn the process before we do it. Mm. Um, do we really know? what? It, and that's why I think it's it's going to take us 15 weeks right. to begin to unpack some of the kingdom stories in the Bible. And, and I think people are going to be like, well, gosh, you know, I've read that 10 times and didn't realize the word kingdom was in there. Yeah. You know, I've heard Jesus say that again and again. I had no idea that was about the kingdom. Right. Um, I think we'll be shocked by some of those moments during this sermon series. I I, think was, it,
0: I wonder if it's just a word we gloss over because of where we're from. I and think how it we're is. raised. We just gloss over that word kingdom. You know?
1: Or like the other thing I said Sunday, we think that the kingdom is heaven and we're yes. waiting to get yes. there. Yes. Yeah. And so, and I'm not denying that there's the thing called the kingdom of heaven, and Matthew talks about that as well as some of the other gospels. Um, but in, in this kingdom that is here and it is now, that's the one we need to kind of look. How do we live in it? Um, and, and the, the Sermon on the Mount ends with the story about this house. There's a house on the rock, there's a house on the sand. You know, who was smart enough to build their house on a rock? Those who knew better. So knowing, you've got to know something to build right. your house there. Right. Those who built their house on the sand, how many Christians are building their house on the sand because they thought the view was better, and they're missing out on the rock. Um, so I'm hope I'm hoping I'm going to put on my teacher hat a little bit more than I normally do. I think right through the course of this, right, and because I do think people need to know something now. Mm-hmm. So we're going to teach you what does it look like to live in the kingdom, and then and then we're going to encourage you to begin to put some application to that. Um, and to live out those things in our daily lives. Right. So we want, to look, we want to look like a kingdom. Yeah. We want Jesus to be the king of it. What does that look like? How do
0: we make it happen? So my last question, and this is kind of going back to just the book of Matthew and the Gospels, because you brought up this Venn diagram <laughs> of, of, the, of the Gospels and, and the percentages that they share and don't right, share and, right. and all this stuff. Um, a lot of times people will use that against Christianity. And then see the Bible contradicts itself. It, yeah. It goes back. It doesn't, you know, they can't even get four people to have the same. How do you how do you respond to that?
1: Yeah, so I, I really like the idea that there were four different people that saw the life of Jesus and it affected them in their own way. You know, that they when they when John thought about Jesus, he's thinking about God in the flesh. That's that's what he's thinking about. And as he writes his gospel, he's wanting you and I to know that when when Jesus was here, he was fully God. 100%. And so he begins his Bible, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. He right. starts that, because he wants you to know, Jesus is God in the flesh. Yes. Now, so he writes everything with that mindset. Right. Now Luke, Luke is concerned about salvation. He's a Gentile. He's not even Jewish. Um, he's wondering, can I be saved? What does it take to be saved? He's He's, he's got this in his head. Yeah. And so his in his mind, he's writing a, a gospel to this guy named Theophilus, yeah. saying, you need to know Theophilus, who's not a Jewish name, that you can be saved. And here's how you go about being saved. And Mark, he's like, he's following Peter around and Peter's telling these stories about right. Jesus. And Peter's like, you know, I, I need, we need to write this down. And Peter's like, I don't have time, dude. If you want to write a book, you write a book. I got work to do. Yeah. And so he writes with his interpretation of it. Yeah. It's, it's not that any of them were wrong. It's that they were living their life. And as they were living their life, Jesus impacted them in a different way. And they told the story accordingly. And I'm glad that we don't all just come at this from Jesus is God in the flesh. I'm glad that there's some other thoughts that are out there. And so that's kind of where I tend to go, is to say, yeah, things in Matthew might look a little bit different. Why does it look a little bit different? Because Matthew wants you to know that Jesus is king, and he wants you to know there's a kingdom. And he wrote about that king and that kingdom. And John's like... Matthew wrote about a king and a kingdom. I don't really want to talk about that anymore. That's a great book. Go read it. Now read mine if you want to know that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Yeah. So you can't take them and pull them all together. You can't make it one cohesive story because they have a different need that they're filling in their writing. Yeah. Um, I would typically tell Gentile people to read Luke <laughs> because he's Gentile. He understands where we're coming from. Um, Makes sense. But yet I think I think right now what Christians need to do is to say, what does it mean to be a part of a kingdom? Okay. And that's why we need to read Matthew. Absolutely. All right, pray us out. Father God, I am so grateful that you are still king, king of kings, Lord of lords, that you're still seated on a throne, that Satan was not able to dethrone you on the earth and he cannot dethrone you in heaven, and neither can all of the the rulers and authorities of today that want to try to stop your work. Lord, I know you just giggle. I know you just laugh at people that think they can end what you've spent the last 2,000 years creating, a kingdom, Lord. Now I pray for us kingdom people to know how to live in your kingdom. I pray, Lord God, we will create um, the kingdom that you want us to have here. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Lord, may people look into the kingdom here and get a glimpse of of what heaven looks like. Teach us, Lord God, what it means to be a part of your kingdom and make sure, Lord God, that we keep
0: you on the throne. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been the Sunday Morning Shakedown. We'll catch you again next week. As always, visit logansportchurch.org podcast for more.